are here for a reason. Breaking down the Brotherhood, one prayer at a time. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right on Radio. You are here for a reason. Do you really want the truth? Or do you only want the truth as long as it fits your personal worldview? Hey everyone, my name is Jeff. Welcome to Ride On Radio. I'm still a little bit sick. I really didn't intend to do a show today. I've been working on this new series, but I felt an urgency to record this prelude to the series in advance. Um, One thing about being a little bit ill is uh, fasting and prayer are a lot easier (laughs) without the having too many distractions in my life. And I've done quite a bit of the both in the last couple of weeks. You'll to excuse me if I cough and need a drink of water from time to time during this. But the questions I started off with, I'm going to come back to in just a moment. Um, as many of you know, I went away a couple of weeks ago, um, not last weekend, but the previous weekend. I left on the Wednesday excuse me, and I came back on uh, late Monday night and I woke up Tuesday feeling fine and by Tuesday afternoon I had a fever and the rest is history, so they say. Uh, But I want to tell you a little bit about the trip before I get into some important things in the prelude to the series that I'm about to launch. Um, I went to the Clay Clark event, the Reawaken American Tour. You're probably familiar with it. I've heard so many things about it, both good and some bad, and I really needed to find out some things for myself rather than just taking people's word for it. Uh, So I did go there with a particular mission, which I think will be revealed as we go through the series, but I will tell you that it had everything to do with this series and the reason I went down there. Uh, But I will give you some preliminary uh, thoughts on it, just stuff that really isn't of great importance, but it's uh, stuff that you probably should know. So the conference was being held at uh, Pastor Greg Locke's church, that's Global Vision, church in just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, What really inspired me to go were a couple things, but it was uh, a lot of it had to do with my conversation with Robert and Jamie from the Banners for Freedom people. By the way, uh, they put up a massive banner uh, in Michigan and it had, uh, you know, Nuremberg sort of thing on it and it had the right on radio logo and website uh, on a huge billboard. Just what a blessing. And and they really were a blessing to me. Um, The whole time I was down there, I really, uh, I 
because I was somewhat, I went there incognito. I didn't tell anyone I was going. Um, I was kind of in disguise <laughs> a little bit. And uh, they just included me in everything. And uh, man, they're really, really super great people. And uh, I got to meet some other really cool people through them, which I'll talk a little bit more about in the future. Um, but they were just a real blessing. And so I got down there on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, I was late. Obviously, it was a very long drive for me. And the Thursday was a setup day for the vendors. So I put aside some time and I thought, hey, I'm going to go check out the venue. And uh, I was able to just help carry some stuff from uh, Robert and Jamie's truck into the booth and set up their booth a little bit for them. There wasn't a lot to do, but it was just nice to get out. And then we went out and had dinner uh, later that night. But I'll start off with Friday morning, which is the first morning of the conference. Now, this church, it's a its a tent church. Now they do have heaters blowing in uh, heat because it does get cold at night. It was decent during the day. Um, but it, it's a tent up on a hill, essentially, and there's one major road in, and then there's another road that kind of comes in from beside the church uh, that is an entrance into it. Now, the road, the main road that comes in, it's the church is in the middle of this road. So um, there's about four or five miles on either side of the church before you hit anything like a plaza or anything like that. And there's no shoulders on the road. Uh, it's very narrow, two-lane paved road. And I got to the conference. Uh, actually, let me just predate that a little bit. Uh, I There was only a couple tickets left and I had called uh, the Clay Clark team and they actually gave me a VIP ticket for half price, no negotiation. Uh, they just saw, Hey, Oh, you're a media guy, you know, sort of thing. And, uh, and I thought that was really cool of them. So I wanted to to say that. Um, the other thing, so on the way in there on Thursday or for Friday morning, excuse me, um, I got there about quarter after seven. It was about a 20 mile drive for, from my Airbnb that I had got. And uh, I got there about quarter after seven and already the lineup was about a mile long from the direction that I came uh, it was over a mile long from the other direction as well. And so I waited patiently. It took about a half an hour to get to in front of the church where there was police working alongside of staff from the church. And they were just waving cars off because the attendance for the conference was about 5,000 people. It seemed to me they had parking for about maybe two to 3,000 and what they were telling everyone was, hey, go find a plaza and then take an Uber in here. So I was waved off and I thought, man, there's going to be a lot of disappointed people. Because I could only imagine, you know, how many people are going to be calling for Ubers and stuff like this. And, you know, having to park so far off site, uh, you can't really go back and forth to your car if you not need to get the, some water or something like that or snacks. Um, so that was quite something. And if there ever was like an emergency event where an emergency vehicle needed to get in there, 
Uh, logistically, it was very challenging uh, if that was to happen. So I was waved off. I went to the other end of the road. I decided to turn around. I came back and the lineup was still huge. So I turned around again. I went back out and I had a quick breakfast. I washed my truck, figuring, you know, give time for that line to die down. And uh, and it did. It went down to about, you know, uh, a third of a mile by the time I got back. So I waited again, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes in line. And I got to the front of the line and the police were saying the same thing. Hey, go to a plaza, call an Uber. Uh, no one can fit in here. And so I just I just said to them, I said, listen, um, I'm actually a, a podcaster. I'm with the media. And uh, before you wave me off, is it okay if I talk to that person from the church? And the cop said, yeah, go ahead. So I, they allowed me onto the road. And then I went to the, the person with the... Uh, with the church and they said, okay, media, we'll find a spot for you. And they brought me in and there was nowhere to go. Um, and I just turned around and I said, how about that over there? And they said, well, that's where the food trucks are going to go. I said, well, I'll go on the other side of where the food trucks are going to go. So essentially I was at the very front corner of the property. And if I wanted to get out at any time, I just had to drive over about five feet of grass and I was on the main road. So the Lord just really gave me favor and I got like a great parking spot. Um, the next day, the parking situation wasn't as bad. I think a lot of people chose to just come in and, uh, and do the Uber thing or whatever it was. And, uh, and I got the same favor. I got, uh, I got a little bit late. I said, Hey, just uh, let me talk to the church guy there. And, uh, church guy got me in and I was right at the edge of the parking lot again. Uh, just a great spot. And, uh, as I say, there was about 5,000 people there. Um, when I was first in there, I was offered a media pass and I was offered one on the phone, uh, previously, uh, but I didn't take it and I didn't take it when I was offered it. Then if I had taken the media pass, I would have been in this room and I would have interviewed all of the people who would have stood before me, but, uh, everyone who was a speaker there was going in to get interviewed by as many people as possible. Um, I chose not to do that. And I really chose to just sit in the audience and take notes and be a keen observer and to get it from an attendee's perspective rather than, uh, being the insider or something like that. Cause it, it wasn't about me. It wasn't about me getting, uh, as many guests as I could. Uh, it's, it's just, it's just not about that for me. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it there for you. I will be doing some detailed reports. And in fact, I might even share my notes, which should be quite revealing. And I'm not sure if some of you would want the truth from my notes, but let me go back to that original question I opened up with. Do you really want the truth? And I want you to ask yourself that. Because what if it's one of those great people who you think is a great person of God is one of the ones deceiving you? Do you really want to know? Well, I've been watching chat in the last little while on our Telegram and watching what people are posting in digs 
And some of you get very defensive and I can understand why I, I think I do too. And I think I've been hurt in this because of some of the people that I've trusted. Folks, there's a lot of stuff that I've been holding on to for probably over a year now that I just haven't felt was right to share. Um, I didn't sense the urgency about it. I didn't know how big it was. Not everything made sense to me, and I'm not claiming that I have all the answers now. As you guys know, I'm not a biblical scholar. I did not go through Bible school. I'm just like you. I want to be the Berean. I want to find out what God said and what God meant by what he said. And I know it can go deeper and deeper, but what you're going to find is there's a very clever inversion of the truth. In fact, I didn't plan on this, but just give me one second. I just got to pull up the scripture. I want to get this uh, exactly right here. Um, this is actually, I'm going to be discussing this in the very first, very first part of this new series, which is called Mass Deception. So from Genesis 3, verse 4, and I want you to listen to this, okay? Please. The serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. That's verse 4, verse 5. For God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will become like God, knowing good and evil. First of all, you see how clever that was. Was it really even a lie? Well, yeah, it was deception. She was beguiled by the information. There's an alluring spirit that all humans basically want to know secrets. The devil said, you surely will not die. That lie continues to this day. And they didn't die on the spot, but they were cursed to death because of it. Then the devil said, for when you eat of it, God will, knows that you'll be like him, knowing both good and evil. Well, was that true? Yeah, it was true. But it's a twisting of the words. And the mass deception that has crept into the church 
And I will tell you, it's going to be shocking how many of you and myself have fallen for it, at least in part, by a twisting of the language, just very slight, and even using scripture to justify their twisting. Anyone can pull out a scripture, folks. You have to take the Bible in its entire context. God doesn't um, cancel. One word doesn't cancel out another word. It's all in context. And we need to get back to knowing God's word. So when I say, do you want to know the truth or only what's convenient for you. I'm going to ask that you go through the entire series. I don't know how many parts it's going to be, but each part will build upon each other one. And I'm going to ask before you judge me or the work that you at least go through the body of work. I believe God has given me a gracious way to present it to you. Um, I have all the evidence of what I'm going to present to you, and it's massive, folks. That's why I call it a massive deception. It's massive, and it's multifaceted. It's essentially the Antichrist plan in the church, including the Christian church, to form the one-world religion. And many of the people you're following are in on it, knowingly or unknowingly. I want to be really clear about that. Some people have just been beguiled and repeated things that they've heard from other people they trust. I've done it. Some of the deception has happened previously on this show. When we did the book of Jude, I actually gave you some very strong clues of a few things that were incorrect on this show. And I'm going to be giving more clarity to this. In some cases, I'm going to have to name names. I don't want to be an accuser, but I'm just going to name their name and then let their own words show you. Their own words. And I'm not going to pick on everyone. In fact, what the Lord has showed me to do during this time is instead of doing an expose, which was what I was planning on doing, just showing you here, and here's this person saying this, and here's this person saying this. Instead of that, instead of uh, catching the fish for you, I'm going to teach you how to fish. And by the end of the series, it's going to be more teaching than exposing. You're going to know how to discern if they're good or not, if they're in on this thing or if they're not in on the mass deception. And that way, it's your choice to look up that favorite teacher, 
prophet, preacher. I'll even give you specific things. There are specific terms that they use that are dead giveaways. I will give you all those things, and then you can decide. But as I say, there's some names that I just have to, because with them, it's clearly intentional. They are not misguided. They're definitely guided. And those people have to come to the forefront. And then, if you see who's connected to them, and do your own digging, but I'm going to make it easy for you folks because I want the truth to come out. We're in days right now <clears throat> when the confusion is just going to get more and more and more. And so we need a filter. The filter, of course, is God's word. But does it help if you know how the magician does his trick? Magicians always use the art form of distraction. They get you looking over here while they're doing this over here. If you know where to look, you'll see the trick. Um, one of the things that's been very hot topic as of late in, uh, in chat and in digs, as many of you know, and I'm praying, listen, no one wants to be told that their person is bad. Just have grace and peace towards each other. I plead, pray for each other instead of telling each other, this person's bad or this Man, we all have a different walk. We all have a different time. We all have different lives. We all have different experiences. Have grace and peace upon each other. Uh, my admins have put timers and stuff on people just to calm it down because there's really, it's it's been bad. I wanted to leave it. If I was just another viewer, I would have left why would I stick around to see a bunch of Christians arguing? Um, but the subject of false prophets has come up a lot and people arguing that's been the core of it. And so I want to address it briefly here. Um, in this mass deception series, you're going to find out how important to the mass deception false prophets are. You're also, and you should know this by now, but you're also going to realize that in every book in the New Testament, I believe with the exception of Philemon, in every book in the New Testament, it warns of false prophets, false teachers. They have crept in. They have snuck in among us. 
Of course, the altar in the church, the pulpit is the enemy's goal. That's better than the presidency. So we need to take this serious. Are ones that you watch or listen to most likely fake? Yeah, there's going to be some of them. I'll guarantee you. And it's probably going to hurt you. But I'm going to let that discovery be up to you. The other thing is, is once you see this mass deception, and it's taken me a while to put the pieces together, folks, a lot of revelation, a lot of praying, a lot of research. This is over a year I've been looking at this before I decided to bring it forward. But once you see it, you can't unsee it. So for those who have eyes to see, let them see. And if you have ears to hear, let you hear. And I and I'm not and this everyone who watches this will understand and start to see it. So I'm not saying that, uh, oh, you just don't know the scriptures enough or anything like that. No, it's going to come to you by revelation, by knowing what the word of God says. That's how we do it. We test their spirits. We test the fruits. My intention is not to hurt anyone although I know some of you are going to be hurt by this. And I'm broken up inside because of that. I'm broken up inside that I've allowed deception on this. And I didn't knowingly deceive you, honestly. But I was deceived. Because... I was not the Berean. I did not go and search out every single thing I was told, just like you haven't. Um, with false prophets, I'm going to just give you some uh, notes and observations because it's been such of a hot topic. So I'm going to address some of it right here, right now. That is, This isn't part of the... Uh, of the series, but in advance of the series, perhaps you'll consider these observations and questions. And these aren't from the Bible. These are just what I use as a cursory thing uh, when I look at who a prophet is or what they're saying. So I'll ask that you consider this. Um, one of the things is you'll notice a trend where a lot of these prophets that you're watching will always say something like, you know, God always speaks through his prophet and that's why he's using me. They call themselves a prophet and they always remind you that God always speaks through his prophets ahead of him doing something. Do they say that? 
it'll make more sense as we go through the series, folks. But did the prophets in the Bible justify themselves in that way whenever they gave a prophecy? Um, <laughs> okay, here's a question. Uh, and just the fact that I'm asking this question is going to be a bit shocking to you. Are they proclaiming the Jesus of the Bible? You know that the Antichrist is going to call himself Jesus. You know that there's a imitation spirit out there. And I'm not trying to add confusion because God isn't the author of confusion. That's the enemy. But are they proclaiming the Jesus of the Bible? That's not so easy to tell right away. But I'm going to tell you there are some that are proclaiming a different Jesus. And it's by their own words. It just sounds good because they say it in Christian-like terms. Um, here's an observation that's a bit shocking as well. You know, when I started finding out all this stuff, I, and I've mentioned this on the show before, that I've, uh, I occasionally listen to those people that uh, do the channeling of the Ascended Masters, um, you know, which we know are fallen angels, right? But they come as, you know, angels of light. So I listen to those people from time to time because the enemy's basically telling his plan to those who will listen through these people. They are channeling real spirits, folks. That's real. But here's an observation. A lot of these prophets that you and I have watched, you know, YouTube, other places, they're saying the same things as the people who just come out and say we're channeling ascended masters. They're saying the same things. I'm sorry to tell you. Um, just on some common logic and reasoning, which I tend to do, if you follow me, um, how many prophetic words do they give in a year? Is it once a week? Is it twice a week? Is it multiple prophetic words all bundled up in one? Let's say they did it twice a week. That's, you know, over a hundred prophetic words in a year. Let's say you've been doing it for four years, five years during this great awakening. Age of Aquarius. If you've given out a hundred prophetic words over five years, that's 500 prophetic words. If we were to go back with each one of these people and write down 
every prophetic thing that they said was going to happen, how many things would have happened? Now you can say, well, some of it's still to come. Okay. Did the prophets of the Bible give out hundreds of prophetic words every year? Just asking the question. I'm not saying these are dead giveaway signs. I'm not saying that. These are just things to consider. The other point that I made here, um, when they do give out prophetic words, is it a show? Do they have a prophetic word for every conference that they're paid to speak at? Do they have a prophetic word for whenever they have a show? Is it a show? I know some of you are probably cursing me right now. I haven't named any names. There's hundreds of these people. Why did the Bible say in every book of the New Testament, except for Philemon, about warn about false prophets and false teachers? Is it something we should maybe consider to take serious? And if we're getting towards the end days, kind of feels like it. Perhaps we should be on high alert for these things. Now, I'm not saying that we should go out and say everyone is a false prophet. Everyone is a false thing. And by the way, some of these people may be false prophets, but are doing it unknowingly. They might actually believe that they are prophets. But there are some key giveaways that we're going to learn as we go through this series. Just the inversion of God's word, a magician's trick. Um, listen, I've had uh, two hits on uh, on YouTube, and uh, I'm going to be putting it all this series up on Rumble starting Thursday at seven o'clock. It'll be on Podbean as well. Uh, it won't be here. The entire series you'll be able to find there. Um, so that's really important. And uh, and I'm going to really start to migrate more that way now anyways. I'll continue to do ministry stuff here. Um, so please consider subscribing and, and even sharing. I think that this... Uh, this new series is going to be very, very revealing. And I'm not building it up to anything it's not. Um, it's not going to shake the world. I'm not the first person to have seen this or anything like that. But I don't think anyone's got the all the pieces that, that I have. And, oh, one really important note. I have to say this to you. So I hope you're still listening. I assembled a small team to help me put this together 
Now, I pretty much had the whole thing mapped out ahead of time. So putting the team together wasn't because I was lazy and I wanted other people to help me do my work. The reason I put together a small team was to see if they would see the same things that I saw or if they would push back on me and say, Jeff, don't go there. This is dangerous. You're wrong. It's too much of a gray area. I was kind of hoping not one of them did. In fact, they all come back and say the same thing. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. So I'm going through the most accountability that I can to ensure that I'm doing this right for you. Every episode will build on the next one. Um, I probably at the end of this, we'll put it all together and it'll be about four or five hours in just one sitting and just have everything. Uh, but I don't want to delay this by six weeks while I do that. You know what I mean? So I'm going to start giving you out pieces and I know at the very end of the first one, it leaves you on a little bit of a cliffhanger. Um, it just worked out that way. I think it kind of worked out good. And uh, in a way, hopefully you'll be interested to see the next episode. But it, it just, if I went, if I opened up another hole to go down, uh, it would be double the length. And, uh, and I think it's, there's sufficient length to start out with. Uh, final thought before I go. Um, about the reawakening tour. You know, there was a lot of good about it that I will tell you. Um, and one of the good things is there was about 5,000 people there. And, when, and they were from all around the country. I wish they were all just from Nashville. And by the way, I found my people in Tennessee. Man, I felt so much at home there. Uh, just great people. And I, I know the South is just known for that. Um, but when a whole bunch of people get together and they're like-minded, and yeah, some of the information there was not good, folks. Some of the information was excellent. And actually, I'm going to make one personal comment on one, per and this is going to raise some controversy, and maybe you'll even question my judgment. But I sat there as an audience member. I didn't meet the person. I had an opportunity to, but I didn't. I wanted to get my perspective from the audience. Clay Clark. I know there's all those pictures of him from the past. I know there's a lot of people throwing stuff at him. I know he's surrounded himself with a lot of people that are questionable, perhaps, if not more than that. I think he's a good guy. I watched how he worked. I watched how he disseminated information out there. And there's a couple real strong signs 
that he knew who was good and who was bad, who was on the stage. And he just puts them out there. And it's up to you to understand. And I guess I'm kind of doing the same thing. But from just just from that weekend, not looking at anything else, um, I think he's a good guy. I think his heart is right. I think he's a new newer Christian. I know he's a newer Christian, but uh, he's a very intelligent guy. And uh, man, I, I I think you should pray for him, as I will, as well. But the final thought is, it takes massive numbers to make massive change when we're talking about things like the political. If politicians only hear from one or two people, they're not going to care what you think. Um, If they hear from thousands of people, then they're going to care what you think. So when we get together in certain circumstances, particularly in our battle in the flesh, in this world that we're living in, um, numbers really do make a difference. And to get 5,000 people to a conference is pretty darn impressive, especially in the winter, you know. Um, One of the other ways that we can make a difference and we are making a difference is what we're doing at mylibertystand.com. I know you guys get sick of me talking about it, but just do one thing. You want to search out a couple things? Look under your kitchen sink or under your bathroom sink. Pull out any one product and then just go Google lawsuits against it. And you're going to find out that they have a very dirty business model. They're putting out stuff they know is harmful and it's only about profits for them. It's gross what these big corporations are doing. Just Google it, folks. We don't do that. Same price, switch stores. MyLibertyStand.com. If that has not worked for you, if you have trouble getting onto that, send an email to me at writeonjeff at gmail.com. And yeah, this is going to be the most exciting year for everyone who's involved in my Liberty Stand. And I'm going to suggest to you that in a couple days, it's going to get even better. So go to mylibertystand.com. And in the meantime, remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself. That includes me, folks. (laughs) Don't hate me for this. I pray that you do love me (laughs) for this. Um, Or at least respect my courage to tell you what I actually think. And together, we can make a difference in our community.